This is the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, episode 167. Welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast, the show where we help you figure out what's working today in marketing, social media, Facebook, Instagram, all of that good stuff online and on offline. We talk to the best restaurateurs in marketing experts in the business, have them come on the show with us and share their knowledge and then share it with you so you can listen to the show, take something away and go use it in your business to grow because that's what you're looking to do. You're listening to this show for ideas and strategies and tips on how to grow your business. So we're going to help you do that. And today we have a great guest on, two guests actually, Alex and Eric from Goodfellas Pizza in Kentucky. They have six locations. They're opening many, many more. And uh, I thought this was a really good episode of the show. They talked a lot about what goes into opening new restaurants, and I asked them some questions that I don't think I've really asked too many other people on the show about, you know, what does it look like when you open a new restaurant? What does that month, two months, three months, four months, two days, four weeks look like before you open? And they go over some of their strategies of what the process looks like, how they hire people, how they train them, they do the soft opening, they do the grand opening, they have friends and family come in, and they go through that whole process with you that they've figured out and tweaked and learned over the process of opening many locations. So they share that with us on the show today. So I think it's a a great, valuable episode of the podcast that you're going to enjoy listening to and get some nuggets out for your next opening of a location. Or if you're already open, you can maybe redo it all over again. If you need our help, you should definitely go check out our website, smartpizzamarketing.com. If you need help with marketing, uh, you can see if your zip code is available. Uh, how you do that is you go to smartpizzamarketing.com and then you just add forward slash zip. And uh, there'll be a form that pops up. You're going to put your info in there and we'll be in contact with you. But if you're more of a hands-on type person, then our mastermind group is probably for you. We've had a good couple calls the last few weeks, a lot of ideas and strategies going into the new year. So if you're looking to get your 2018 moving in the right direction, you definitely want to hop inside of our mastermind group. Uh, and you can find that over at the website, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash mastermind is where you can check that out. Uh, everything out there too is all the show notes for this episode uh, will be in there. Just go to our website and you can get everything that we mentioned in this episode of the show. All right, let's get into it with Eric and Alex from Goodfellas Pizza. Hey guys, welcome back to the Smart Pizza Marketing Podcast. I have on with me today, Alex and Eric from Goodfellas Pizzeria, and we're going to talk business, pizza, entrepreneurship, all that good stuff on the show today. So Alex... And Eric, thank you guys so much, first of all, for taking the time out to join me on the show. Super appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks for having us. No problem. I always like to hear the story of how you got into the pizza business. It's always a unique story. And uh, I'm not sure what your background is or how you guys got started, but can you share with us a little bit of how you first got into the pizza business? Sure. I'll uh, give you a quick little history of Eric and myself. Um, um, let's see here. We were high school buddies, um, you know, that we were out. Uh, so Goodfellas Pizzerias, we focus on entertainment districts and, uh, Lexington, Kentucky, downtown, there is a vibrant nightlife, if you will, of, uh, bars and restaurants and, uh, young twenties were out having a good time, a couple beers. And, um, there was a four rent sign in this small 650 square foot, uh, building and you know we're out having a good time and I looked at Boggs I said hey man I remember New York style pizza as a kid by the slice and we would kill it there if we just did true authentic New York style pizza by the slice 
Um, you know, my family's from Long Island, New York, Italian descent. We said, let's, let's do it. I actually called him up the next day. He didn't think I was serious that we would uh, go through with it, but uh, we did. We started getting together a business plan and we uh, put that together and, you know, went to about, I don't know, 11 different banks and got denied by every single one of them. <laughs> and uh, finally, one of them took a chance and said, guys, uh, we believe in you. Here's some money. Uh, we put a small down payment with them uh, on that deal. And then we got to work. We started renovating the tile ourselves, the, uh, the walls, the pretty much everything was done by hand with Boggs, myself, and a couple other handy guys. And um, Boggs comes from culinary background. He did large events and uh, things like that, I'll let him take it from here. Just a lot of catering to the horse farm people, which surrounds Lexington and throughout Kentucky. Uh, Alex had... Yeah, so I was uh, doing real estate at the time, had a small accounting practice, but just a, a passion for people and really getting uh, involved with the culture of our entertainment districts. So what we did and how we created our recipe, my mom was a baker, of, she still is a baker of 30 years, but just a small outfit. So just kind of put some recipes together, a little bit of guidance, not much, but really we got busy on our own recipes and started going around from uh, bar and restaurant um, to bar with uh, sample A or B on the crust, guys, and that's kind of how our crust recipe developed. We did a dozen different recipes, and, you know, we just put that best. We believe very firmly that pizza is constructed of three main ingredients, your sauce, your dough, and your cheese, and we just honed that, focused on doing the best possible product we could and let the people decide what the best products were. So Goodfellas was actually created by the people surrounding us in Lexington, Kentucky. What year was that in? That was 2006. So not too long we were ago. Yeah, not too long. We've been doing it 12 years. Uh, you know, young 20s, 24 years old, just wanted to, you know, have big ideas, big dreams. And what, so bring us back to that first location. Did either one of you own a, uh, you know, a restaurant or a sit down restaurant before this or before Goodfellas first location opened? No, sir. We, like I said, I was doing real estate and I had a small accounting practice. Uh, Boggs was, you know, had experience doing what, seven, eight years doing large catering type stuff, parties. And I just remember, like I said, uh, New York style pizza by the slice and wanting to do the perfect slice of pizza and it worked out for us. What was that first year like operating? Um, it was it was rough, you know. We were tossing and selling slices and also holding down our other jobs. But uh, it was good. I mean, people took immediately to it. So our first year, our store hours were quite different than normal restaurants. We were only open Thursday through Saturday, 10 p.m. until 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, so that built up a lot of demand because downtown Lexington, there's a lot of 
um, businesses and such, attorneys, bankers, and they kept wondering hands up. And finally, when we got you know questioned by so many people, we started doing just lunch, eleven to two, Monday through Friday. So we only opened during peak hours to reduce cost and labor. Even though Boggs and myself were very active in it, it just helped out a lot to try to get us, you know, to plunge to year two and three, which is where we really uh, just started to save and uh, stay patient. We took minimal salaries and just really watched the bank account kind of grow. And about five years after that, we, you know, got the idea of opening restaurant two. That's an interesting decision to only open those specific hours. I think a lot of people may get um, feel like if they're not open all the time that their business won't come. What made you decide that, hey, listen, you know what? It's okay for us to just be open those specific hours and then for lunch, just try for a few hours at lunch and see how it goes. What what went into that decision process? Well, a lot of it had to do with demand. Uh, we waited until the daytime lawyers and businessmen were beating down our door and then we opened we gave into that and then it turned into well we want to take this home to feed our families so eventually we opened for dinner and then it turned into we're open from 11 in the morning until 3 3 30 at night <clears throat> so <clears throat> really it was just based off of demand wow. and at this time there was no late night food. Everyone had to come from the bars, get in their car and drive somewhere. <clears throat> so we filled the demand for late night. And then as it came, the rest of the time. Huh. So when you opened your second location, was it the same way or did you open full hours? Full hours. So our second location was interesting deal. Um, there was a staple uh, college uh, bar that had been around. It's 60 years old. And they had a vacancy in their kitchen. They used to do burgers and such out of their kitchen. And they approached us and said, hey, guys, we need you to go in this spot because you've got a great name working for you. And we would love to have pizza by the slice inside of the bar to keep our patrons there. And we pretty much were like, you know, it's not our own identity. We really don't like that idea. But, you know, there was a thousand college students in this bar. It's a pretty good-sized bar. And I looked at Seth Bennett was his name, and I said, you know, let me know. Tell me why we need to be here. And he said, well, name your price on the lease. And I was like, you don't want me to do that. And we did, <laughs> and it was a super low offer. And uh, he said, done, let's do it. So really, there was hardly any barrier to entry there. We just decided to start selling slices of pizza out of this college bar, and it was just slammed packed all the time, and it, it worked out well. Was there a learning curve there from operating to one to two restaurants? Yeah, you kind of stretch your management uh, to – we pulled you know a couple employees from – our Mill Street location to open this one. And, um, you know, the learning curve was, well, for us, um, we got into the delivery 
side of things. We decided to deliver out of that location. And when you lump yourself in with all the big names, the Papa John's, the Domino's, it's a little bit different. And that was our learning curve for the Two Keys location. We decided to never do delivery again. People have high expectations of uh, the delivery. We do a hand-tossed homemade pizza. It takes a little bit longer than your traditional uh, delivery pizza conveyor system. And um, people, you know, they didn't quite get that. They didn't understand that we were a one operator where places like Papa John's have multiple in the same city. And it was just difficult. So we also realized that we enjoyed it so much more when people would come in and, you know, enjoy the culture and the atmosphere of Goodfellas itself instead of just, you know, talking to us through a phone. And really it was just a, a pizza to fix their, their hunger. They weren't coming in to be for the experience. Right. So when we moved forward with all the other locations, we decided that we wanted to do dine-in only, and uh, we still focused on buy the slice. Plus, you got the whole show. I mean, our guys, they win pizza competitions for their acrobatics with dough tossing. And it's just really a, it's a fun atmosphere. You walk in, the music's cranking. There's slices all over the place. You know, people are just, that's, that's our bread and butter. We move high volumes of slices. Yeah, so do you, so del- do you deliver just, at that one location now, or did you stop delivering there? Yeah, no, we still deliver. We still honor the delivery, but it's just, you know, to fill the void for our customer. It's no longer the experience of coming in and having fun with us. Right. So you don't, the other locations are all kind of walking. You decided, that's qu- that's good that you decided quickly rather than opening up 12 locations that deliver and then hating it. Uh, you decided pretty right. early that you didn't like it and didn't enjoy that. And it's tough. Like the delivery part of the business is really tough. Like you said, you kind of... Yeah, you lose the differentiation factor between you and these other places because it's just one guy showing up to the house with a pizza. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of human error. You know, they forgot a breadstick. It's it's going to happen. And you experience it. We make that pizza directly in front of the customer. We have an open kitchen concept. So you see everything being prepared. And then when it comes out of the oven and goes in the box, not only is it A, super hot and fresh, they see exactly what it's what they ordered and they're super excited. Right. Plus they get really, really fresh product. Anytime you put a pizza in a hot bag, I don't care if it's five, 10 minutes later, it is going to be less of a quality product than if it's right out of the oven into the customer. Yeah, it's totally going to be because you're eating it 15, 20 minutes later. Pizza's pizza can be like, listen, I love pizza and it can be eaten anytime, but it's best when it's right out of the oven. Yeah, yeah, I mean, our pizza has such a crunch, like the crust is soft inside and just really crispy on the outside, and you lose that on any type of bread product when it, you know, goes into a, a bag or a box, it starts to sweat, and you lose that crisp factor. Yeah, so you guys started in 2006, is that right? Correct. So that was kind February of like... Of, uh, February 2006? Yes, sir. So that was kind of the end of like the or the last year or two of the booming economy, right? Yeah, we um, 2008 was uh, we saw everything happening, um, you know, places shutting down, real estate crashing, and luckily with our price point of being three dollars a slice, it 
didn't get hit we, at all. We saw increases. I yeah. think less people or more people chose to eat a $3 slice as opposed to a $40 steak. Right. So we saw an increase in sales. It was great. And you got good deals on your leases, you said, too. So that didn't affect you when the real estate kind of tanked. Right. So coming, uh, our third restaurant was our first venture outside of Lexington. And uh, this is 2010. Yeah, 2010. No, 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 no. When we found the property, it was 2011-ish. So kind of coming out of that horrible real estate deal, but there was a lot of properties available. Right. <laughs> a lot of available for a good deal. Yeah. So the <laughs> yeah, starting like- point was, hey, we decided to drive, you know, we had been looking at Louisville and we still haven't opened in Louisville. Just tip of the hat to all the great Louisville pizzerias out there. There's a lot of great independent pizzerias in Louisville. So we kind of, uh, you know, steered the other way and went an hour north to Cincinnati. And we just went out for a casual night, you know, checked out the the bar scene. And we went from Cincinnati to uh, Covington, which is right on the water. It's still in Kentucky. And uh, we settled on the main Strauss village uh, because there was a great building that was for sale next to, you know, five or six restaurants and bars, vibe to it. There was people walking, you know, from bar to bar, and they have festivals where they shut down the streets, and, you know, they bring out food trucks, and it's just a fun atmosphere. So we got a good feeling about the neighborhood, and then we were really just able to strike a great deal on the property, and... um this is where we ventured out and decided to get into the um, the bar side of things. So we had this Goodfellas, you know, this mafia-themed Rat Pack pizzeria, New York-style Italian pizza by the slice. We're like, what would complement a great New York-style pizza place? And we decided to create this speakeasy because it was a small footprint but a multi-level uh, building. So we there's this back like um, stairwell, and people have been into the place, you know, five to ten times and never even knew the the stairwells there. But on the second floor, we created this pre-prohibition style um, bar that has we're one of the top bourbon bars in America right now with over 500 and something 550 bourbons. Um, you know, lots of fire and ice and pre-prohibition craft cocktails. And we do really, really unique and rare beers. We have 16 drafts and it's, we created this like loungy feel with couches and, you know, real rich woods. It was something that that neighborhood did not have. They had, you know, your dive bars and your other type of bars, but they didn't have a lounge a true lounge or bourbon bar. So that was our first taste of the, the bar experience, and it was an instant success. Um, we thought at first we were a little nervous because, like Boggs was saying, you know, there's your $4, you know, um, Makers and Coke bar right next to us, and they sold lots of Jaeger and Bud Light bottles, and, and we wanted to bring a little bit more uh, like a classy feel to the area. And we're like, what are we doing? But <laughs> it was an instant success. The people, you know, we've got drinks that are 
you know, a hundred to three hundred dollars for a drink for a very very rare bourbon. Pappy Van Winkles, your Fitzgeralds, your we've got a Pappy Twenty Five, which there's only seven hundred and ten bottles in the world. In the world, wow. and we're just really yeah, we're really fortunate that we uh, can put that stuff on our shelves and people come in for that. Uh, people that are stopping through the city, maybe on their they're going to catch a flight to somewhere else and. They've heard about our uh, bar, not only the pizza, which is award-winning, and still the pizza outsells the bar, 60 to 40, 60% to 40% bar, um, but people really enjoy the bar aspect that we added and continue to move forward at our next properties as well. So when it goes into the decision to opening a new location, or it seems like when you look at the location – you don't. You have an idea of what you want to do, but you let the location decide what it should be. Do you guys alone, just the two of you, decide and kind of brainstorm what that location is going to be? Correct. We're yeah. we're very creative. We're very active in our design. We're very active in the operation, how it flows, the the way the bar is laid out. We, I mean, there's we've pretty much done every job that you could think of from. You know, being the the trash guy to installing the IT network to putting up the security cams to hanging the hood, we're very very active in our business. We feel that's part of the success by, you know, putting in the hours, the time, the passion, and not taking no for an answer when someone says, "Oh, we can't do it that way." Well, let's think outside the box on how we can make it happen, and uh, that's seems to work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been it looks like from your 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 website and looking at the different locations that you have that it's working out for you guys. Uh is there ever been a place that you know didn't work out so well or maybe one of the locations that you know, it didn't work out exactly the way we anticipated it working out? Is there any any we, uh instances of that? We've been very blessed. Yes, sir. Um every it seems like every one we do, we really take our time before making that. We, you know, have got uh, numbers that we can kind of forecast what the store is going to do. At this point, you know, it was just trial and error. Every single store, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. Let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. But now we can, it's more of like a a formula that we can, and then we also really think about management. I, I'll tell you what. The only reason why we're successful is we can't be in every location at once. So right. we've got to just tip the hat to our team. It's really, really boils down to our culture that we've established. We've got guys that have been with us 11 years. I mean, we believe in taking care of our employee. We believe in camaraderie. We do things. We'll get 120 employees together for a lake trip. We'll... Uh, we're getting ready to have our holiday party. You know, I think we've got how many now? 150. And all of them will be there. We we really, really value what they do for the business as well. But it does start with our leadership. You know, they see what we're willing to do, and they'll do the same thing based off of what they see us doing. So tip of the hat to the our staff, our team. Is there any is there anything in particular that you look for when you're hiring a new employee or looking to build out a management team for a new location? Um 
number one thing is we never want to hear that's not my job because it is a team. You are there to help and do whatever it takes. So we typically look to build from within. Uh, we really want to incentivize our people to, you know, their ambition. We want them to go further. You know, you make pizza now, but you can be a manager. You could be a regional manager. Heck, you could, you know, the sky's the limit. So we want them to create that type of mindset that don't just be happy with being, you know, an assistant manager. There are, there are other things, and if we see that you have that passion, that desire, we'll get you there. You know, it might take a little bit of time and developing, but uh, we'll get you to where you want to be. Yeah, do you think it ta- it's a little bit easier now because that path has been shown or there has been people who have taken that path and have gotten there? So for those, you know, those greener employees who maybe is the, are that pizza maker who you say, hey, you can be a manager or a regional manager, they see that that's actually happened. Do you think it's easier now than it was in the beginning? They had to, like, believe in you back then, right? Absolutely, especially the ones that moved to Covington. Uh, I'm going to get Bill Whitlow, Damian Noonan, Kyle Childers. They took a chance with us. This was our first time outside of the city, and they moved to the location and said, we're going to do it. We believe in it, and they did. They put in the 80-hour weeks when we first opened. They talked to every customer. They put the passion in because they saw that passion come from us. And um, that was kind of the real big gamble, and it worked. And then people are like, well, it worked for them. It could work for me. And then they decided, yes, I want to go to your OTR store. Yes, I'll move to Indianapolis. I'll move back to Lexington, where we came home uh, last year and did the full concept. But uh, we can go through the timeline if you want to go through the other stores or wherever you want to take it from here. Yeah, I like that. I, you know, I get a lot of questions from the show about people who are, you know, looking to grow and they don't, they don't like, they're not sure what to do. I think that you guys have a good relationship. And I talk to a lot of people who have partners and it sounds like you two get along pretty well. And it sounds like you have opposite either personalities or, or skill sets, <laughs> right? Um, because it seems yep. like you still like each other. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, our relationship is, very, very good. We complement each other very well. Um, you know, I'm kind of more uh, aggressive and Boggs will pull the reins and be like, hold on, let's think about this real quick. <laughs> so it, work, it works out really well. Yeah, it has to. I think that you have to if you have, if you have a partnership. It's like a marriage, right? You, you got to like make sure that you give each other your space and you talk about things completely and when you're working together, it's good to have opposite skill sets or opposite things that maybe you're not skill sets, but things you like to do. Maybe one likes to work in the kitchen more and one likes to deal with the paperwork more. But I always feel like when I talk to people who are partners, uh, the ones that are successful and it's working for always find people who have an opposite skill set from them to partner with. Yep. Or, you know, opposite personality works well, too. I know Boggs is serious if he gets angry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys doing for marketing? Like, how are you getting the word out there? What's, I'm sure it's changed since you first opened in 2006 with social media and uh, everything that happens online nowadays. It's probably much different than it was in 2006 when you first started. Yep, uh, definitely. The um, thing is, we don't market. We let the product speak for itself. Any marketing we do is in donations and giveaways. 
to uh, different charities. Um, of course, now we use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, <clears throat> what have you. But, you know, back then it was just let the product speak for itself. Very just word of mouth. The, the thing we tell all our guys is the 30-second relationship. Customer walks in the door. You get to know that customer and something about their day or something about them in 30 seconds. It creates more of a community type thing. And when we do open a new store in a new area, like Boggs was saying, we, um, you know, we, we donate. We plug in with the local charities. We hold a pizza event where Boggs and myself are there giving away slices, talking to people, getting to know our community, not just – and all of our stores – are a different design, a different layout from the next. It, it still gives that independent feel, and it's not just some cookie cutter where a corporation moves in, you know, starts taking money from that neighborhood, and that's it, on to the next one. We actually care about our neighborhoods. We get involved. We um, stay, you know, pretty in tune through our, our merchant associations that we, you know, attend and just – the whole community involvement, that's how we really market ourselves is we get hit up all the time for some type of charity event or whatever. And we, we believe that's important to give back to your community because they've taken care of you. So why not? It makes perfect sense. And then our name gets out there at that event. Typically, it's a social setting of some kind, whether it be a an auction or just some type of fundraiser. And your name and your brand and uh, impression is there. So people are like, oh, yeah, good fellas. We love those guys. And that's, that's kind of where it goes. So that's our marketing strategy, to just be genuine about your community and give back. Right. Now, like he was saying about the Facebook, Instagram, and everything, that is a great platform to actually have fun, do some kind of quirky little marketing things and uh, I think we're getting ready to start this. Um, where's the Godfather at? It's a little uh, figure where we take pictures and just the randomest spaces, but uh, like in the shop. So it's a little figurine, and you know, so you can have fun with your social media. The, the idea is to not just try to, you know, here's a pizza, let me sell you a product, but actually engage your customer, you know. And enlighten their day with some funny, uh, something fun to yeah. see on it, uh, social media. Sorry, couldn't spit it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a good strategy. It's social media, right? It's social. You got to be uh, a little bit more than yeah. just selling your product. It's about it's about communicate. It's a great tool to be able to communicate with your customers, even when they're not in the store. Right. Now, going back to the donations thing, because that's a great strategy. But I'm sure you get bombarded yep. with donations on a monthly basis. How do you decide who you're going to donate to and who you don't and how many times they can ask? Is there any kind of process for that? Well, we just kind of take each one case by case. But if it's a reasonable request or something we feel that is, um, you know, good, then we'll accommodate. I mean, we've done anything from hosting parties where we discount drinks to raise uh, money to, you know, just throwing four pizzas to, you know, a local uh, elementary school. It just, it's all case by case. And if we feel someone's taking advantage, then we'll just shut them down. Right. But we can, 
you know, but we do, we read every single one. We probably, I mean, we get hit up a lot on a weekly basis. I'm sure. And uh, we, we try to do as much as we can. Sometimes it doesn't make sense for us, and sometimes it's it's easy. It's so much better when we actually go on site. Uh, it's really easy to just write a check for something or give a gift card. It's harder to put your time into something. And that speaks a lot of volumes, I, I feel, because you're taking the time out of your busy schedule to show you actually care. Right. And um, that's what we feel is, is the most valuable. Yeah, I agree. It, it puts a face behind the business as well. Correct. What, people so, love to meet it. Yeah, and you get you get to be like kind of known in the area too. And then when people think about pizza, they think about you guys because they remember that experience they had with you. Correct. What do you? What is it? Last question for you guys. So when you're opening a new location, right? How does the? How does it? Do you do a soft opening? How, do you train employees beforehand from at a different location and then move them over? What does that look like? That's the most difficult process, really. Yeah. So. Normally, we move a management core team from an old location or we pull people in from various locations to develop our general manager, kitchen manager, uh, beverage manager. Uh, so you're, you're kind of core and maybe one or two others. But really, it starts with that management team that's got the experience of being a good fellow and then... Uh, we bring them in-house, and then they start hiring people from the area, um, typically a month before completed on construction. So we let them know when we're trying to be in, and construction's just a huge battle. You're never on time. It's yeah. always delayed. It's always wrong. There's always something that needs to be done. And then when you finally come to your date of opening, it's a mad scramble, and nothing's organized. And Luckily, most of the customers get that. They get that there's going to be some hiccups in the first couple weeks. But so we bring our core up to the new location. They start hiring. And then we get a couple weeks uh, to sometimes just a week to kind of train up the new hires. And, you know, tossing pizza is a skill. It's not something you can just say, hey, you're going to be the pizza tosser today. It's not like being the expo guy or, you know. So typically that core... They really don't have time to manage anything else. You teach them how to ring up slices, and the the core team is the one tossing out the pizzas until, unless we hire someone with experience and they can kind of lighten the load. But we get one to two weeks of training. Then we do a soft opening, which is where um, we do a friends and family, then a soft opening, then a grand opening. So friends and family, we've had people drive up as far as three hours away to help open our new stores. Wow. Uh, you know, free free drinks or discounted drinks, uh, definitely free pizza, and just kind of like big blowout parties. Um, they're fun. Then we do a soft opening, which is where we invite other people from the area, other <clears throat> restaurant owners, other bartenders, to see what we're all about. Uh, people we've met leading up to this point <clears throat> we want them to come experience it because in reality, those late night bartenders, when someone asks for food, they're going to send them our way. So we want them to experience it as well. And um, we've had a lot of success with that. Yeah. These are people we meet from, you know, spending the last 
four to six months on build out. That's an extensive build out, but you know, we, we go and frequent restaurants and bars and we get to know people and know their names and we'll say, Hey, uh, come, come to our soft opening. We'd love to have you. And that kind of creates the energy, um, with the people of the neighborhood. And then we do a grand opening and that's where everything is full price. And, uh, sometimes we just have to kind of wing it and get to our date because we've had to do some, uh, openings on new year's Eve. We've done two of them now because (laughs) tax man, tax man says we got to get the store open before this year. And, um, so we've had to do it twice. We've made it, but it's a great party. It's a great celebration, and it's usually a huge success. That's amazing. Where, where, how many more locations are you guys looking to open? Where does the future hold for Goodfellas? Well, right now we have seven locations, and we've got three more in the pipeline for 2018. Wow. We've got Nashville. We really, really like Nashville, but it's all about location. It's got to be the right location. Probably another one in the Cincinnati area. Uh, we just opened two in Indianapolis this past year. And uh, we'd like anywhere within a three-hour drive radius at this point. We feel we can manage that uh, that much right now on our plate. So, all corporately owned? Yeah, we own it all, all by ourselves. No partners, just me and Boggs and a hell of a good team. No fran- You're not going to do franchising in the future? It's all going to be corporately owned, you think? Yeah, we we don't really know what the future holds, um, but we like the way it feels right now. We go a lot on feeling, so. I love it. Well, you shared yeah. a ton of valuable information. Where can people go guys, check you guys out, see what you're up to, and visit one of your locations if they're in the area? Please. Thank you. Goodfellaspizzeria.com is your website, right? And your Goodfellas Pizzeria on all the social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff? Correct. Uh, Goodfellas Pie is our Twitter, and Goodfellas Pie is our Instagram. But you can find all that stuff on our website, uh, goodfellaspizzeria.com. Alex, Eric, thank you guys so much for joining me on the show and taking the time out of your day. Much appreciated. Thank you, Bruce. Have a great one. All right, well, thanks to Eric and Alex for joining me on the show. Great information there. If you want to catch anything or you missed some of the links that we mentioned in the show, go check out our website. We take all the notes for you, their website, their social, everything mentioned in this episode will be noted and written down for you over at smartpizzamarketing.com. Also, if you want to be on our live show Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., we're going to be doing something new in 2018. We're going to be traveling around doing our live show live on location. So if you want to be with me live on the show, go to smartpizzamarketing.com. Just hit the contact form. Send us a little information about yourself and your business, and we'll be in contact. We're going to be traveling around the country uh, doing a lot of work with our clients and speaking engagements. And while we're out and about, we want to get out and meet you and possibly do our show from your restaurant. So go check out our website and tell us a little bit about yourself. If you want to go check me out on social or say hello uh, on Facebook and Instagram, I am at Smart Pizza Marketing. I'm at Irving Media on Twitter. And my email is Bruce at smartpizzamarketing.com. Hope to hear from you soon. And if, uh, you know, you want to get 2018 moving in the right direction, two things you should do. Hire us to do your marketing, smartpizzamarketing.com forward slash zip. If you don't have time or energy to do it yourself, or if you're a hands-on type person, you should join our mastermind group. Much success going on in there. Uh, Some great entrepreneurs in the space who are working hard, hustling, and doing some great things. 
inside of that group. And that is over at our website. You can find all the information for that. So guys, have a great week. We'll see you next time. And if uh, I don't see you or you don't hear from me before the holiday and the New Year's, have a great New Year. See you.